I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And on today's show, today's show, we've got Jessica Murnane. We have Jessica. We love Jessica. She's the author of One Part Plant. And also the podcast, One Part Plant. And she joins us live in studio. Because we all live in Charleston, South Carolina. Word. And then at the end, Catherine and I are going to share our absolute favorite recipe that I make four times a week. It's four times a week, every day. No, there are some days I don't make this. It's very rare that Kate does not make this. But this is a life-changing recipe. That's true. But first... Kate has a surprise for me, you guys. I have a surprise. I have a surprise. Which is great, because she hates surprises. I love them. Because you're actually good at them. You're like... You have the improv training where you're like, yes, I'm going to roll with this, where I'd be like, I don't want to do this. Oh, really? I take it as a means that if someone wants to surprise me, they care. Okay, so... I have this book. It's called Casual Lex. And I brought it today because Catherine and I have been thinking about doing a segment on free cookies where we randomly picked a saying or an idiom (laughs) and (laughs) without knowing what that idiom means, we both have to offer a definition and then we have to give what we think is the origin story of the idiom. And for non-dedicated listeners, I suck at idioms. Okay. So be, uh, for today, because... And by the way, if you don't know what idiom is, because I feel like that's a, a fair saying. thing to not... Yeah, it's a, a, it's a saying to describe a thing. A cultural <laughs> saying. can't even like, describe an idiom. don't cry over spilt milk right. is an idiom. And get, quickly, get your ducks in a row. Uh, or as my coach once said, get on top of your ducks. This is my favorite. Yes. And also my... You better get on those ducks. When I... My first year of playing... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're letting one of those ducks slip away. <laughs> get that duck under you. Can you imagine if I had a little tiny saddle? Yeah. my freshman year at the university of colorado we had a french player her name was virginie delapine and my freshman year we're moving into the dorms and something went wrong as we were moving in and one of the moms was like don't cry over spilt milk and virginie was just baffled God, yeah idioms in another language must be totally baffled but then she said is is that one of your idioms oh wow and i was like boom what how do you know the word idiom, but you don't know the idiom? <laughs> Carry on. So the going forward, it would be good if someone else picked one and we could both try to define and give the origin. But like, I have it in front of me because this book. So you can email your favorite idioms to freecookiespodcast at gmail. Don't give us the com. origin. Don't give us the description. Just the same. We'll, we will not research it and we will try and decipher it. To butcher it as much as we can. Okay, so. I randomly opened to this page and I liked this one. So the saying is, quote, feeling one's oats. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) Okay. Feeling one's oats. I'm not going to lie. That feels sexual to me right away. Okay. That feels like KB... Do you love me? Hey, we don't have the rights and to that. It's the feeling yourself. So okay. I don't know. I, I feel like you, you sow one's oats, which means that like you got to bounce, chicka bow bow. So I guess if you're feeling your, oh, is it masturbating? Okay. And cool. And what is the origin of this saying? Where does it come from? What's the story? From adolescent farmer boys who would go roll <laughs> around by themselves in the hay. <laughs> and they would, and they would masturbate in the hay. The code. Okay. So do you want to know? Because this book is called Casual Lex. Feeling your own oats. Feeling one's oats. Feeling one's oats. 
American frontiersmen found natural grasses so abundant that few of them bothered to sow grain. Only racehorses and the favorite mounts of landed aristocrats were stall-fed. Naturally, high metal was a characteristic of blooded animals that had good food, plenty of exercise, and little hard work. Many horsemen ignored other factors and attributed such spirits to diet. Thus, in 1843, the Canadian humorist Thomas Halliburton used the expression feeling one's oats to mean full of pep and high spirits and showing off. Oh, so it's kind of an insult then. Like you're full of yourself if you're feeling your own oats. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you're feeling yourself, right? Yeah. Like, oh, wow, she's really feeling Damn, herself. Damn, she's feeling her oats. So if you're fe- feeling one's <laughs> oats. Okay, this one. Oh, I get another one? Yeah, look, okay. quickly. I know that we have other show to do, but we have to do one more. No, I like Mostly because I don't have to answer them. <laughs> so here's one. Okay, okay. Make no bones. Make now, no bones. Yeah. Okay. I've so, heard this one before. So what does it mean if you say make no bones? Well, make no bones is assuming you're not going to have a conflict with something or you're not going to start an argument with someone over it. Sure. Right? Is that what it means? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But so the what's origin, the origin of it? Make no, no bones. Well. Make no bones about it. Ain't going to make no bones about it. Well, okay. <clears throat> I, there is also the word bona fide, which sounds like bones. <laughs> so perhaps... When something's bona fide, it's legit. And if you ain't going to make bones, it ain't going to be legit. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, actually. All right. <laughs> Elaborate menus were unknown to the common people of medieval Europe. Cooking vessels were rare and expensive, so vegetables were usually boiled in a single pot. Unless a housewife had a piece of meat large enough to roast, she usually tossed it in with her turnips, beans, cabbage, and carrots. Often a pot of stew included the neck, wings, and feet from a fowl or two. Frequently a pot boiled for hours. Bones separated and became dispersed throughout the stew. This made it customary to eat with some degree of caution, removing the bones that were found. In addition to these real bones, fearful persons frequently gagged on imaginary ones imaginary ones Wait, people will gag as imagine- a result by 1450 1450 uh-huh. a person making objections or showing hesitation of any sort was said to be finding bones this expression came into such wide use that people needed an equally forceful way of describing an opposite attitude they found it by saying that those who plunge boldly into any undertaking make no bones about it oh so it's more like you're a baller yeah if you ain't got no bones I think we've, it's definitely... So it's not starting morphed. to fight with someone. It just means you're like, you're like hey, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to make any bones about it. I'm just going to dive in. Sun's out, guns out. Yep, that's what it's like. So thank you for playing along, Catherine. Oh, Budig. this is fun. I can't Did wait for like next it? week. Okay. Yes. Boom. I actually think that we're good to go. I feel like we, we could talk to Jessica now. All right, let's do it. Damn, we should have asked her of something from this book. It's okay. Every future guest will have to answer this now. Do you want me to just randomly hear, like, let me just randomly pick one. For people to chew on by themselves? Yeah. Hill of beans. Boom. Let's bring Jessica on. So once upon a time, one of my best friends, Ashley Sabolka, posted on Instagram a picture of the most delectable, delightful looking dessert And it was this little ice cream sandwich. Oh, there it is. I'm flipping through the book. It's so sexy. It's a crispy ice cream bar. And it it has the, like, the the puffy... Jessica Murnane, who's on the show with us right now, by the way. (laughs) Would you say that your ice cream bar is kind of an ode to a Rice Krispie treat? Or it just has Rice Krispies on the outside of the ice cream part? 
Okay, the inspiration for that was Mexican ice cream. Oh, girl. But plant-based and really yeah. not fried or even Mexican. But that's but, where it started <laughs> because with Mexican ice cream, you kind of have that like hard shell, like with the cinnamon and na na na. So that's where that bar started. Do you like how we started this? I went straight into the food, but I just wanted all of our listeners to know how I originally found Jessica Murnane. And it was because of this Instagram post that my friend posted. And I like, you know, I nipped a little bit when I saw this picture on Instagram. What does that mean exactly? My nipples got hard. I got really excited about the ice cream bars. Well, you know, what's crazy is, is that when I moved to Charleston, (laughs) everybody I met was like, you should have met Catherine Budig. You it, should have met her. She it was like moved two away. ships passing in the night. And then you Instagrammed about my book, and then I reached out. And you wrote back to me, and, and I, I felt like, so starstruck. I, I did the little happy clapping <laughs> dance when you wrote back to me. Well, now we're here together. So uh, that, I'm that's, here too, and, and Kate is here. <laughs> Wait, can I tell you? I wanted to share. Has anyone ever brought you cookies that didn't turn out? I, those don't look like they didn't <laughs> they turn didn't out. They didn't turn out. They look like this they is, should. This, these cookies, are these crappy cookies? These are a cookie <laughs> recipe that is a work in progress that my toddler made. To, him and I made them together, and I kind of let him like put in stuff that he wants to, like maybe a little bit more oil than should be in it. But anyway, we have these. I want you to know that even though your toddler made them, I'm still going to judge them. And okay. I know. And that's why I thought it would be better to bring a cookie that a three-year-old made than me myself. Right. Well, producer right. Lindsay and I are like, we ain't got no shame in a game. Give us a cookie. <laughs> so anyway, feel free. So thank, thank you for you. our cookies. Yeah, sure, sure. I will start eating them soon and describe them in I detail. would say in the history of free cookies... Catherine and I have brought guests cookies mm. Mm, fewer than three times, and guests have brought us cookies more times. I don't know what that <laughs> says about us. I believe you just said a moment ago that you're a bad host, or you don't believe no, no, you're no. a host. Yeah, I, I don't mean host. Which might of be a cover sh- up for that you're not a good of a host, podcast. So you just say you're not a host. I mean, I don't value in myself the ability to be a host of in terms of welcoming people into my home and being hospitable. But that doesn't sound right. Now that I say that out loud, I want to value that more. <laughs> I'm going to think about that, and I'll, I'll come up with a better phrasing of what I want to say well, later. I think we should perhaps hospitably. That's really hard to say, hospitably. No, it's, it's, I can't, no, I can't say it. Okay, cool. Hospitably? Yeah. It, what, I don't what even Kate know said. if that's right. What Kate said? Yeah, it fucking was right. <laughs> what do you mean? It was Let's, the word, and I said it. You, I, and I admire your enunciation skills. So let's hand it over to Jessica for the listeners who mm-hmm. have not are not aware of your, your they know you have a child your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Would you give us a little background on all things Jessica? Yeah, I mean, right now I have one part plant. My book came out a year ago, but as you guys know, when you have a book that comes out, it's it feels like it's done to the publisher after six months. And you're like, yeah. wait, I wrote this thing, and it's only a year old. This should still matter. So. My book still matters. I have a book called One Part Plant. It came out it last is. year. And it's freaking awesome and everyone should own it. Yep. Uh, I have a website called Know Your Indo, which is an endometriosis education awareness platform. And the reason why I started that is because I changed my diet to a plant-based diet around seven years ago. And I was able to avoid getting a hysterectomy. I have stage four Indo. And I wrote a tiny little part about that in my book. And the mo- like, the biggest response that I've gotten from my book is not like, I love these recipes. It's your book diagnosed me. Or I've had pain for 20 years and I've never seen, I get emotional about this. Yeah, uh, I've never seen those symptoms on a page before. And it's like, how is a 40-year-old woman right. 
in pain for 20 years not have ever heard of endo. Do you know what percentage of women have endometriosis? One in 10. One in 10. And and bev- could you explain it yeah. to our listeners a yeah, little bit sure. what it is? So, so the, when you, if you have a uterus, you have lining that lines your uterus. And typically during your period, that lining sheds. When you have endometriosis, that lining grows outside of your uterus. So it grows onto other parts of your body. It can even grow onto your lungs. And in severe cases, women have had their lungs collapse because of their endo. And so the tricky thing is, is that with endometriosis, so many of the symptoms don't seem like they're period related. So there's a lot of issues with peeing and I'm just, we'll just say it, pooping, digestive issues. We it, like poop here at Fred Okay, Hogan's. good. Ashi <laughs> loves to eat poop, okay. so we're good. Oh, painful sex. And so a lot of women will go to their doctor. I would say that almost every woman I know that has endo has been diagnosed with IBS at some point in their life. Okay. So internal, in, irritable, irritable bowel, bowel syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. Okay. So, so I really wanted to create this website called Know Your Endo that is it's not a blog with someone's story and their journey through. It's these are the symptoms. This is a treatment plan. There is no cure, but these are ways that you can help manage it because there really isn't anything out there like it. So I created it. And for listeners who are maybe right now wondering, wow, could I possibly have this? Mm -hmm. Is this something that you go to your OBGYN and they can run tests? Or is this legit something that is so difficult to diagnose? Yeah, you have to be diagnosed laparoscopically. So they have to go through in through your belly button. And I think that's the other thing is a lot of doctors don't want to go that far. I mean, the it takes an average of 10 doctors for a woman to be diagnosed. Wow. Crap. What does stage four mean? Stage four means, that's the highest, by the way. Brushing my shoulders she off. Ju- she oh, just yeah. dusted off her shoulders, y'all. Wow. <laughs> um, it's, and actually, what's interesting with one, two, three, and four, it's not necessarily the how you could have stage one and be in more pain than someone mm-hmm. that has stage four. Okay. It's about the amount that's in your body. So the last surgery I had, they found 30 spots of it. There were some on my rectum, my bowel. I mean, it was covering my body. So that's the one, two, three, and four. How has it affected your life? Uh, I think that I manage it now. Before, to not even to be dramatic, I didn't want to wake up in the morning. Like it was not being able to get out of bed, not being able to function. And that's not just on your period. I think that's the other thing that people assume that when you have endometriosis, you're knocked out for a couple days on your period, the fatigue of having endo just during of the month can just be debilitating. So when you say fatigue, is it because of what's happening inside your body? You just have a, a level of like, is it a, a melancholy mixed with fatigue? Like, can you kind of like in more layman's terms explain yeah. how you feel? I think, I think someone, I heard someone describe it once that you ran a marathon and then you stayed up with a baby all night and then you woke up again and then you ran a marathon again and then stayed up with a baby all night. It's just this feeling of just exhaustion. And I, I, I know, I mean, the reason why you have so much fatigue is because your body is in a constant state of inflammation overload. So you, you're just constantly inflamed. And so, you know, it's, I think the other thing that some people don't realize too is if you've never lived with a chronic illness, it's day after day after day after day. So you get to a point where you think, why do I want to 
want to wake up if I'm going to feel like shit every day. Right. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that your your book was inspired by all of this mm-hmm. and, and the the transference to a plant based diet. And I remember reading an excerpt somewhere how you were talking about when you realized that you were going to go on this low inflammation diet and cut out dairy and sugar and gluten and basically if you're a foodie, like all the things that make the world mm-hmm. go around. Yeah. And you talked about how there was a depression of sorts, right? When you decided to start eating this way. And that's something that I relate to on a regular basis because I go through stints when I'll totally clean out my system because I don't feel good, Mm -hmm. which is really hard for me because I don't like to be picky. I just like to experience the culinary world as it it is. And so that's something that really makes me bleed. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so curious for people, there's so many people listening that I know have very specific dietary things that, that because of illnesses or, or whatever it is that's going on in their life, do you have advice for them on how to stay positive and how to, you know, get to the other side? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's sort of, to compare it to a drug, I mean, it's a detox in some way. And I think it has to get harder before it gets better. I know that sounds negative, but you can come out on the other side. And I think that before I went plant-based and clean and just change. It's not just food. We can talk about the other things I did, but I had tried to be gluten-free, dairy-free. I had been on a million diets and none of it stuck because I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. When I finally realized if I eat this way, I can get out of bed in the morning and go to dinner with my friends, even though I might not get to eat the thing I want, that was a huge win for me. So I think that if you are going through that, the something that I do is every single thing that I think about eating, I think, how is my body going to respond to this? Is it going to be happy about it or is it going to be kind of sad about it? And I just try to always make my body happy. What were your expectations for the book? I mean, well, I had expectations. One part plant, I wanted it to be this idea, well, it's still the idea of eating one plant-based meal a day, kind of like the new meatless Monday. What I did not expect was it for me to go into this world of Indo. I, I mean, I, I like, when I started One Part Plant, when I started my website, I, I, I even said, I don't want to be the Indo girl. I don't want to be the Indo girl. I, because I think that a plant-based diet can help so many people's, not just people with Indo. But then the response that I got I just realized the people just don't know about this. And so it was just important for me to do more. And so I, I don't know if your question is, was that what I intended? Because it wasn't. Yeah. And what, what has life been like since the book? I mean, you guys have both written books. It's kind of the same exact life, but you have a book. <laughs> yeah, but don't you think before the book comes out that it will change your life? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this woman wrote me this really sweet message that has a book came, coming out. And she's like, you know, I'm just trying to prepare what's going to happen. You know, it's this is a hard in between time. And I just wrote back, I'm like, you're going to have the same exact life. You might have more opportunities, which you actually probably need to leverage yourself and more right. people will yeah. know your name and your idea will get out there and maybe something will happen that you didn't even expect but you can't expect for tomorrow to be, you know, JK Rowling's or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, I remember I had a colleague who like 5 years ago before my first first book came out, she had written a book and she just we went out to drinks and she could tell that I was excited like 
Like I thought this book right would get optioned and like Oprah would pick it and like, you know, everything oh, that you everyone thinks Oprah's gonna pick their right, book, right? Right. And yep. she just said, like, you're you have to you have to be okay that it will find whatever audience it's gonna find. And you really have to focus on your life outside of your book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember calling her three months after my book came out, kind of in a funk. And I was like, yep. I, it, it was very odd. It was kind of like a version of postpartum where like, and again, I don't know if it's like that because I haven't had a kid, but I remember really being in an emotional um, funk because I think I thought more was going to happen. And even if your book does well, it's like it never does as well as you think. And so anyway, I, I feel like I'm now I'm talking like... No, I back you up no, completely. Like, yeah. Oh, I have a book. So that's amazing. But you you can't help but think this book will... My life will be radically different after this book comes out. Yeah. and, and Or that you're going to make a lot of money, by the way. And that doesn't right. happen. People are like, oh, you've written a book. You're so rich. L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L. Well, and I, that's why I, <laughs> I documented the whole year process of making the book. I have this eight episode series called the cookbook deal where I documented the whole process. That was and wildly I, popular, correct? I mean, I feel like it was pop. I mean, oh, I tried not to, cute. I tried wait, not wait, to, wait, wait, did Oprah ask you to come on? Exactly. That's the, that's the, and I think that's the thing is like, what is the, the, the standard now for like what is popular and what's not. So, yeah. but I did document the whole process and I was very truthful that like the publicist at my publisher sucked. She got me one placement on like Epicurious, which I think is like crowdsourced or something. Like she didn't help at all. So you have expectations. And then people all the time ask people, how many books have you sold? I actually have zero idea. I have never looked once. It's a healthier place to live. Because if it had, if it sold 500, that's not going to be enough. If it sold a million, that's also not going to be enough. Like, I don't think anything would be enough for me. No. So it's just easier to not know. But maybe <laughs> one million, million copies might would satisfy be okay. you. <laughs> yeah. No, because then you'd be like, yeah, but, you know, Chrissy Teigen's book sold 1.2. Exactly. It's so, never going to be enough for yeah. type A'ers, I feel. So will you write another book? I am going to write another book. It will, not be a, it will not be a cookbook. <laughs> I will never write another cookbook. I want to know about that, too, because... Because you want to l- write a cookbook? I mean, <laughs> my last book was half cookbook, which... But not full. No, she wants no, to go it full wasn't cookbook. Full. And I, I say I never go full cookbook. I want to... <laughs> And she wants to go full cookbook. I want to go full-on cookbook. (laughs) Okay. But it's also, I want to go full-on cookbook with zero expectations of anyone purchasing it. It, Mm. But that's a lie. Well, okay, zero expectations. (laughs) It's a lie. You're going to tell people you have no expectations, and secretly you're going to have all the expectations. Let me edit my comment. Yes, there will always be expectations because I'm human, but I have learned after writing and publishing two books Mm -hmm. that when and if I ever write and publish another book... It has to come from a place that is such a passion project that I just want to do it without mm-hmm. any need for the accolades that come along with it. Otherwise, there's zero reason to do it. My last book was very, it was passionate for me, but it was also like, this is going to change my life. Mm-hmm. This is going to bust open it the French doors It was like a strategic business plan. Yeah, like too. this, this mm-hmm. is really going to get me into a broader world that I want to be in. And it didn't do that. And like you, I went through this weird funk and depression afterwards that sometimes still creeps up on me if I'm not careful about it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And I think it's too, it's that thing too, where your book comes out 
and you do get so many people like Instagramming it and doing all this, but at that point you just feel so numb to it. You're like, cool. Like, and you're, and then you also feel like you can't keep up with being so thankful and thanking mm. every single person. So it's a, uh, but I will write, I, my next book will be an Indo book. So where are you at with food? I don't mean just you individually consuming it, but the, but the food Is world. that part of your career yeah. anymore in your future? I mean, who knows what my career is? I, I think mean, I mentioned <laughs> us trying to do a what pop is your up career restaurant <laughs> in Charleston and you were like, hey, hell nah, no food. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how would you, how would you describe your career? But okay. But I also think that people don't understand that my career was branding and design. That's what I did. I had a stationary company. I worked randomly for like a celebrity designing his clothing line. I worked for this hip hop brand. Like I had nothing to do with food or cooking or anything. I started this food program called one part plant because I was working with so many restaurants and doing branding and working with them on design, but they had nothing I could eat at any of the restaurants. So I had all this credit at a lot of these restaurants too, because they would pay me money, but Mm. also pay me credit. There's one restaurant I had three grand at. Just like eat whatever you want. I'm like, I can't eat anything on your menu. So I came up with this program called One Part Plant where I would partner with restaurants to have at least one plant-based option on their menu. I turned that into a website as a resource. These, All of these restaurants have one plant-based option. It turned into people caught on. They liked it. I got approached to do a book. I wrote a proposal. That's what happened. It right. was never my intention to write a cookbook. I taught myself how to cook. I'm not a trained chef. And so I'm so proud of that book, but I, it's, it, I don't know. And I think that was a really hard part too, is because you do this thing that kind of happens to you all of a sudden, and then it comes out and you're like, okay, so now what? Mm-hmm, <laughs> like right. this, if it was my goal in life, I might have a bigger plan, but I didn't and don't for it. So you've talked to me about feeling burnt out before, Mm -hmm. which I feel like I know Kate and I relate to, and I'm sure a lot of listeners relate to is this concept of becoming successful or you've put a lot of training and years and time and effort into something. And then you just reach that level of like, I can't possibly think about doing this anymore because I just, there's nothing left for me in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just curious with everything that you've done career wise so far, I know you just had a big transition in your work life Mm -hmm. and with love to hear about why you reached that point and decided to switch it up. Yeah. I mean, I think that my burnout, it came from more personal issues, like like briefly, like while I was writing my book, my stepmom got run over by a bus, which was extremely horrible. (laughs) I mean, I'm laughing, but it's not funny at all because I'm (laughs) trying not to cry. Um, Sorry. That's okay. Would you like a cookie? <laughs> no. You made them. Um, your, your toddler made she them. She lived. Oh. Is she okay? And then a month mm-hmm. later, completely separate from getting run over by a bus, she got necrotizing fasciitis. Do you know what that is? No. Um, it's a, if you remember, there was this very famous case where this girl was ziplining and she got a scratch, a tear on her leg, and she had to get all of her limbs amputated. So my stepmom got necrotizing fasciitis and it was, we got, I just got a text from my sister. I was like, you have to come home. And so my sister and I literally packed funeral clothes because oh the doctors are like, we cannot stop 
this bacteria. I mean, the chances of surviving it are very slim. And if you do, all of your limbs are amputated. This is totally unrelated to the bus. Right. But they, they think that because her immune system was so, I mean, Deb did not get hit by a bus. She literally got run over by a bus, like laying on the ground, run over by a bus. So the fact that she even lived that was so she fucking lived again. We went home to basically go to her funeral and we got to the hospital and they were able to save her. And it's just, and then last year I had a uh, baby head size ovarian cyst. And it was like, when you go through, and then my book was coming out and I was on book tour and I had to be, I'm Jessica and I'm happy (laughs) and I love plant-based food. And, and it's, it's something where, I'm the type of person where I keep going, I keep going, I keep my chin up, I stay positive. But at some point, you can't continue to do that and you just crash. And that, uh, it's funny. So when you were asking about that career change, I got approached to take a job at SW Basics, which is a natural skincare company, which is crazy because I saw you guys that weekend and I mentioned it and Kate was like, so is that weird or something? I'm like, well, I haven't gotten a paycheck from someone in like 10 years. So like, this is kind of weird. (laughs) And so I took it and there was something about, I think taking that job and finally having calm in my life. That is when I fucking crashed Hmm. because I think that if you're go, go, go stress, 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 and you don't have any calm, it's not until you get calm that you're able to realize like process things. It's kind of like my like friend you're trying to keep it together the entire time. Yeah. My friend used this analogy that when you're at, let's say you're at a swimming pool and there's a, like a beach ball and you press it down, you press it down, you press it down, you press it down. When you let that ball up out of the water, it just psh, right. shoots out. And I think that's what kind of happened. So what, what happened then when, when you, when that ball did shoot out of the water, what did that mean actually for you in your life? Well, I think I'm still, I mean, it's funny because when Catherine texts me about being on and like talking about burnout, I kind of wanted to say, you know, I'm like kind of not totally on the other side of it yet, (laughs) but, but I am, you know, I went to the doctor. You don't have three takeaways for us. (laughs) I, I did go to the doctor because I was feeling just so foggy. I started going to therapy and the therapist is like, of course your body has shut down from all of the trauma from the last couple of years. And even putting out a book, that's not trauma in a bad way, but it's still a stress to your body. And to, so, uh, so yeah, I got a bunch of tests done. Apparently I have adrenal fatigue, Hashimoto's, a bunch of stuff that's happening. And now what feels the most counterintuitive is that the protocol is, is for me to chill, mm-hmm. which is the opposite of what I know how to do. She's like, you need to take more baths. You do some yoga. I'm like, but I want to do CrossFit. <laughs> and I That's don't want to. That's the worst wanna... with adrenal fatigue where you're like, but no, 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 no. I want to work out. I want to sweat. But yeah. yeah, you need to lie down. So yeah. So I think that, uh, I think that I, I would say this week is one of the first weeks that I'm like, okay, I can do this because ultimately I've been through harder shit than this. And I have to ask, how's your aunt? No. Stepmom. Stepmom. Oh my yeah. goodness. Sorry. Yeah. She's my, I mean, they got married when I was four. So she's like my mom. Uh, well her dream, it, she loves Disney world. Ooh. Chafe. 
I actually, oh. I wanted to tell you that I, <laughs> I was, love that. I was like, chafe, that was the follow up. I, I wanted to tell you that I was chubby and chafing <laughs> my whole childhood. Well, um, <laughs> for our listeners who are only parachuting into this episode, say. the chafing is in reference to a picture of me that's up on Free Cookies podcast on Instagram. And you did mention it last episode. I did. Yeah, so yeah. loyal listeners or even people who you really into need the last a visual, two. you guys, you need yeah. to go to Free Cookies you do. podcast. I on posted Instagram. a picture of me as a nine year old chafing, chubby, wearing umbros, <laughs> chafing. I mean, you know, I'm chafing because I've tucked my shorts between my legs to prevent the pain but of it the was chafing Disney legs world, right? Together. It was. Okay. So just to give the people some background. Yeah. So my stepmom, <laughs> her thing is to take kids to Disney World when they're three because she feels like that's the age when they kind of know that what's happening. Right. And in I will cry again. She just took us to Disney World. <laughs> And it was this weird moment because it was like, dude, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. So, and all of her limbs, she just, they were, they had to cut off like half of her back and half of the back of her arm. So, you know, it's still not completely functioning, but she's fucking alive and walking and having fun and doing her thing. So it's just, it's insane. Cause she's got like an army of angels with her. Yes, and is the toughest person. Like, how do you come back from that? Just not even physically, but mentally. Right. I'm. Did very... you guys? <laughs> sorry to get all no, deep on no. this pod, but yeah. So that's uh, that's that's what's been going on the last couple of years. So not a lot. Well, so <laughs> so when you were kind of in the middle of it, yeah. When Deb, right? Deb, yeah. When your stepmom first got hit by the bus and then had this illness, bacteria? Necrotizing fasciitis, yeah. Would you start to think about it and then just tell yourself, I'm not going to think about that? Like, how did you actually not need to take a month off then? And Because just- I couldn't. I mean, I guess I felt like I couldn't because it, it was like my manuscript was due. And I had already asked for one extension already. Because when right. we first moved here, there was that historic flood that happened. Because right. I just moved to Charleston two and a half years ago. So I'd already asked for one extension. I'm on a deadline. I have to turn my book in. I didn't really feel like it was a choice to stop. And so I didn't stop. And then you have to do the photo shoot for your book. And then you have to promote the book. And, and when you are a one-woman show, there isn't anyone else to do it for you. When you would fall asleep at night, were you like kind of panicky? And no, things? I, I am the type of person that just goes. I don't stop. I'm like, I will stop when this is resolved. As in your book, your manuscript is in. I put it out into the world. Everything is resolved. We've- yes. The po- my podcast is out. The book is done. And I don't even think I will stop when it's done. And you know what's crazy is, is last summer I decided to take three weeks off because I'm like, I have to take three weeks off. And that's when they discovered that I had the ovarian cyst. And it was kind of this moment where I was like, that dude's been hiding down there and now he's ready to be... You have the space to know what's going on yeah, and deal with it. Yeah, now he's ready to come out because I'm relaxing. But yeah, it's just when, when you're an entrepreneur, you're an author, you do all this stuff, you don't have time to stop. Where right? does that ambition come from? I think or hustle or however you describe it. Maybe just it's just how my family is, I think. We just always want to be the best. <laughs> well, I'm going to lighten it up Wait. for just a second unless oh, do you have No, I don't have a serious question, but 
I know we 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 touched on Deb taking your son mm-hmm. to Disney World. Yeah. You didn't talk to me about chafing, though. Oh, so so I was <laughs> chubby and chafing. I see that one coming. Um, more at Cedar Point. I don't know if you've ever Is been. Is that in Chicago? We it's were... in Ohio. Okay, so it's yeah. a famous... It's a, it had the tallest roller coaster in the world for a while. It's and do like they a, no longer have that roller coaster, or do they build a bigger one I elsewhere? think there's, like, a bigger one in Tokyo now or something. I mean, Abu Dhabi, it, maybe? Right, exactly. <laughs> but I think, it, I mean, it was a very proud moment for people that lived in Ohio that we had the tallest, fastest roller chafing? coaster. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but, I mean, and I was chafing much older than you. So, and I remember the day I was chafing, I was so big <laughs> that I felt too uncomfortable to wear shorts. So I wore a pair of red corduroys in the summer. Oh, damn. I went on a water ride. Oh. <laughs> that doesn't help chafing. No. It so doesn't imagine, help anything. Imagine walking through an amusement park with wet red corduroys. Girl, and you come a long way. Basically over, like, I was like 220 at that point and size 24 at Old Navy. And no diss to people's sizes, but I'm not that large now. And just, I mean, my legs are basically bleeding. Oh my god, <laughs> guys! Well, my experience sounds so quaint. Well, and I, I'm just gonna. You're gonna, you're gonna go from I, there. Well, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump off of that red corduroy and say you've come a long way, fashion wise, because. <laughs> Hey, so it's actually quite red chic. Corduroy red corduroy was very was cool. like indie. Oh, that that yeah. might be another podcast. Well, red yeah, corduroy. Yeah. Okay, back in the like, day. Yeah, it was kind of like Doc Martin. Yeah, yes. like, and it honestly, was, it only it was, depends what you had on with the red yeah, corduroy. Was, but if Catherine, someone, I was cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she mentioned old navy. She mentioned red corduroy. Come on, one more. Do I you mean, need to know. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could, Shut down. you can make that stuff. <laughs> look cool in the right context and I did oh I totally wore corduroy when I was younger like you remember when you were like oh my god old navy we've talked about this old navy like that's the pinnacle of fashion until you get introduced to gap and then you're like oh my god (laughs) yeah but gap Gap. didn't have the sales that old navy would have where you could get you got introduced to banana republic (laughs) and then barney's and then you (laughs) and then you realize even it just goes on and on but I remember my old navy days yeah wait so Jessica, I'm flipping hmm. through your cookbook mm-hmm. right now, and I guess I have two questions for you. One, ugh, pasta. Um, what's your favorite recipe in here? And also, we don't know what we're making for dinner tonight, and I feel like you might be able to solve that problem for us. Yeah. Okay. I will say the recipe I'm most proud of. Mm. Actually, you just turned to it. Oh, creamy it's mushroom lasagna? That recipe, the creamy mushroom lasagna, because that recipe is the recipe that I get the most emails and messages about people saying this was the meal that I realized plant-based food is okay or this one message this woman sent me she said I made your lasagna for my uh meat eating Italian mother-in-law and she liked it and I would like to thank you so that's one of my favorites because I think it's like such a nice transition to eating plant-based yes it shows you that it is possible and if you serve that you don't even need to say this is plant-based it's just no it's just damn good lasagna right what's your favorite cookie Okay, so I thought about this. I thought, should I try to make Kate mad and name like oh, a yeah. bar? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That oh. she doesn't constitute as a real cookie, or should I just play it nice and go cookie? Oh, piss her off. Come on. Okay. <laughs> I'm all excited. Over I'm just here. happy that you listened enough to the podcast to like know that I have rules and regulations about my cookies. Okay, well, my this cookies. is against the rules. I'm going to go with the Scotcheroo. 
oats in a scotcheroo. Okay. Something I cannot eat now. And when I saw the ingredients, because I was going to try to make it plant-based, and I'm like, oh, there's actually corn syrup in it because I grew up with them. So it's it's a layer of Rice Krispie treats, but it's so... It's you can't even a layer of Rice Krispie treats. Yeah, but you can't oh, even detect really Rice that Krispie they're Rice Krispies anymore because it's just into a solid bar. Oh, they've been smushed so much. Well, not even smushed. There's just so I'm much corn syrup and sugar and everything okay. in it. And then there's also butterscotch chips that are Ooh. stirred into that. And then there is a layer of just thick chocolate that's poured on top. So it's this butterscotch chocolate crispy bar mm. and it's one of the best things i've ever tasted in my life my Better grandma than a swiss cake roll Ugh. yeah wait and I no know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> dry anyone Evan, yeah that was I what love swiss cake either. rolls guys i, I love them okay but your favorite cookie because the scotcheroo is not Fe- a cookie okay obviously <laughs> Jesus. i love rules, the memory okay. okay i'm gonna have to go then in ohio there's this place and they might have it no, everywhere no, no. Hey, standard cookie it's called it, this Sorry. cheryl's cookie made the best butterscotch chip cookie there you go okay Some okay of those little pantalones okay, but you so you like butterscotch I love butterscotch in it. Do you like butterscotch pot de creme? Ooh, can we work on a a vegan butterscotch pot de creme? It's very hard to to like get the butterscotch vibe plant based. I haven't been able to crack it yet. All right, you and me. That that's that's what our next because I love butterscotch. Hey, Mm. is is butterscotch actually made from scotch? Oh. Oh. Producer Lindsay's like, hell so is it, yeah. Is it legit I worked at and French scotch? Laundry, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, I also worked at Dairy Queen. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, Dilly and, Bob is for the women. And we made our chips from scratch <laughs> at Dairy Queen. One of the hardest dips to do that never stuck. You know when you dip the ice cream into the dip and then yes, it turns hard? and it gets hard? hard? Yeah. The butterscotch never worked. Really? I, it was always so infuri- infuriating when someone ordered that. I'm hungry. I know. <laughs> thank you Just, so much for coming. Thank you on. for oh, yeah, coming thank on. Thank you. Thanks for being so real. Sure. <laughs> we had. A, I don't know how else, people are always like. I'm sure you guys get that too. But like, it, it's thank you for being so honest. It's like, how else are you supposed to be? I know. Preach. But it feels like there are a lot of people who have a, like so, standard answers for certain things oh. instead of like being present and answering how they feel in that moment. Let's like put it this crying. way: there's a lot of people who are not going to talk about their chafing memories. So that that's really where we draw the line. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've decided I want to be a better hospitably. Oh, I want to be more hospitable. hospitable. I want to be more hospitable. I do. So from now on. I'm going to think about bringing cookies when we have people on the show. And someday that will translate to actually bringing them cookies. Sometimes it'll translate to, Catherine, can you bake these? Cool. Thanks. Let's pick them up. (laughs) I say every third time we can make this happen. Thanks. Thank you. So this is very exciting. We're hoping this is going to be a new regular segment. And I wanted to call this segment. This is going to be where we share a recipe, either one of mine or one of our guests. Or one of mine. (laughs) One of Kate's. Uh, But I wanted to call it Feed Me Seymour. To which I said, what's that? (laughs) Hey, let me say what's that. I said, what are you talking about? And to which I, I couldn't even wrap my brain around you not knowing that saying. It's certainly not an idiom. But it's a very famous quote that I feel like if you were a child of the 80s, you I'm a child of the 90s. Well, if you were born in the 80s, you were a child in the 80s. 
Yeah, but I wasn't a child that would ever watch. Anyway. You're deflecting. Little Shop of Horrors. I feel like this is our game today is like define or describe things that you're not quite sure what they are. Little Shop of Horrors is like a drag show. Oh, God. You're getting that confused. It's where it's like a stage performance with like um, like a lot of makeup and and. And, uh, and I, 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 fe- I honestly think it's like the equivalent of drag. No, you're getting that confused either with Hedwig and the Angry Inch, or you're getting that confused with, uh, Rocky what's the one? Horror Rocky Horror Picture Show. Exactly. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which is what, not. Well, it's the same thing as Little Shop of Horrors. Absolutely not, Kate Vegan. Well, they should have Googled and seen what other titles were and switched it up. Or perhaps if you had seen that movie like every other person growing up. So feed me, Seymour. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's so recipe time. It's recipe time. So this is going to be our feed me, Seymour segment. And we wanted to start off with a, a recipe that this is just kind of a common paleo pancake recipe that I zhuzhed up. For Yoga Glow, I have a course on Yoga Glow called Better Than Takeout, where I share a bunch of my recipes. And and the basic, basic rendition that Kate legit will make pretty much every single day is, and if you want to yield about six pancakes, if it's just you, you can cut this in half, but it's really easy. It's just one egg, two massive scoops of a nut butter, peanut butter, almond butter, whatever you like. Honey roasted peanut butter. Honey roasted would be really luxurious. Um, And then one ripe banana. And you really want the banana to be ripe because you want to get some sweetness out of this. You simply put it in the blender, you whiz it up, and then you get your pan hot. You want to hit it with a little coconut spray or a little olive oil spray. And then I recommend making little tiny medallions. The bigger you get, the more difficult it is to actually flip the pancake. And I know this because I watch Kate curse behind the oven every single day. As you can imagine. she would have figured it out by now. Why would I make like eight little ones when I can make three massive ones? Right. (laughs) The patience is not 100% there. But I do recommend when you make them, you have to just let them sit. And then with your spatula, you just like kind of tuck all around the perimeter. Like you're putting them into bed, just little baby tucks. And you can kind of see if it's starting to, you got to stay on top of your ducks, see if it's solidifying. And then when it's smaller, and this is your problem, if it's smaller, then you... You know, without no bones, you just... You make no bones about it. You put that you spatula. You go in there and you get the pancake and you do the pancake. Exactly. But this is my fancy spanchy version that I put up on Yoga Go that I personally really like. Is that So you do the eggs, you do the, the nut butter, I like the almond butter, and then you do the ripe banana. But then I recommend adding a little bit of honey. Like Kate said, you could also just skip the honey part and do honey roasted peanut butter, which is delicious. And then I like to add some unsweetened coconut flakes because it gives some nice texture. And then just a little bit of cardamom, just a touch. It's really overpowering if you get too excited about it. This entire recipe is at yogaglow.com forward slash better than takeout. You can check it out there with a bunch of other recipes. And you can eat these pancakes. You don't even need a fork. They're really filling. Yeah, Kate eats some with her hands. These pancakes are great. And then I go and I run 10 miles. And that's not entirely true. But um, yeah, check it out. Easy peasy. They're grain free, super healthy, super delicious. And um, hit the exit music. Kate can do it. You can do it. And I'll share some of my recipes. 
which include... Oh, I can't wait to know what those cinnamon are. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> made with oat milk. <laughs> That'll do it for today's show. It's free cookies. We... Oh. We. We don't know who wants to talk first. We are produced by Lindsay Collins. It is true. Lindsay Collins of F&B Radio. Kate, tell them all the other things. And you have to follow us on Free Cookies Podcast at Instagram. And we are now on Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N and you just search forward for- slash don't search it's forward slash forward free slash cookies. free cookies and we are going to thank everybody who left a review for us on iTunes it's true but there's a possibility that we might not have any <laughs> there's been more ratings we really appreciate that but I'm not entirely sure as I scroll I'm scrolling I'm scrolling Ooh, 15 hours ago <clears throat> A.E. Fish 36 thank you LW202. Hey, hey. And then I don't remember this one. I think this is new too. Scholingue. God, I love the way you say these. If people could see you, in fact, I, you know what I'm going to do? Next time you do them, I'm going to take an Instagram story and put it up on Free Cookies. Uh, are you trying to read these names? Yeah. And you got schooled last week when we did the outro. Right. Are you still listening? I know at least one person is. One person was like, that part of the show, of course I listen. Little shop, little shop of horrors, oh, 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 oh. That's producer Lindsay doing the Rocky Horror Picture Got a background show. dancer. <laughs> <laughs> Peace, Peace out, out, homies. 